0: Hit it. Welcome to the Arise Podcast with Danielle Castillejo and Maggie Hemphill. Conversations around faith, race, justice, gender, and the church. Hey
1: Maggie, it's been a long time since it's been just the two of us.
0: I know, it's good to see you, friend. It is good
1: to see you. I mean, here we are, I, I remember in March, what was it, March 12th or 13th, I saw you and I was like, hey Maggie, it's a pandemic and, and we're like, oh yeah, this might be over and then... Maybe not.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that feels like a long time ago. And it was. Uh, March 13th was the day, I remember. And it feels like everything has changed since then. And that as we look forward, we have to have a new imagination for what it's going to be like to straight up live. Like working from home for adults and kids social distancing with distance learning. And we're kind of finding new family dynamics and everything... Um, it just feels like heightened state still currently with the pandemic, but also with the other factors that are going on right now, especially as it the political season is, is underway and starting to pick up momentum. Um, yeah, it's just there's a lot going on for us in our community, specifically in Washington state. There's a lot of um, there's just a lot of go- things that are happening as a result of the pandemic that seem that they're not connected when they all are. As, and as we've seen you know, nationally with the protests for uh, racial justice and as we've just watched COVID kind of pull the, the veil back from all these underlying things that we had not yet engaged. And so it feels raw and we all feel kind of exposed.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it. I think in March it was like I paid my ticket and I got into a theme park. And for many months, I've been kind of like gearing up on a roller coaster. Mm. And it ratchets up really slowly. And you know the feeling of anticipation you get as you get to the top. That's a little bit what I'm feeling as the election nears. And and just as summer is closing, I'm not ready for summer to close. I'm honestly not ready for my kids to go back to school. And it's less about I don't want them in school, more about I don't want to do online school or distance school or homeschool. And I'm actually enjoying them. Like, we kind of have a rhythm now. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to stop it, break it up, and try to do something new. I'm, I'm not prepared to break up what we have going. It's kind of working out.
0: Yeah, and and that that feels amazing to have that kind of um, rhythm that you've built for your family. And I think for me, when I think about the end of summer and the beginning of of school starting, I feel just not ready. Not ready in, I don't know, feeling equipped to engage them, um, learning at home, and then also like how to really deal with their social uh, isolation. Um, My oldest is definitely like not into it. Like he's an extrovert kind of like me. So slowly dying at home and, (laughs) um, like wanting to, wanting to help him, but also realizing that I can't be everything to all three of my kids. Like I cannot meet every single need that they have. And so, so part of that feels like, as we head into just the school year, like, uh, I am not a teacher, did not go to school for teaching don't know how to do it and um I'm really good with adults like real good and so to have to you know to um and obviously I love my kids and um I just think about how unprepared I feel to teach you know elementary and middle school kids
1: yeah and I think just with the change of the school saying like first it's going to be hybrid. And I signed up for hybrid. I'm like, that's great. It's not like what I wanted. It's not full time in person school. I get it, but at least it's going to be two days. And then I started seeing like the sign, like the writing on the wall. It started slowly coming to my realization, like they're going to probably send us home for the beginning of the school year. And sure enough, I remember getting the email that said school's going to start out all online. And and honestly, my heart just dropped because I mean two days with the kids at school with social interaction yeah it's good for them but hey it's good for me too for sure and I have work to do and I just graduated from school and I'm trying to work and it it's just this hard balance I'm trying to find with how do I manage screen time when I'm not home the whole day how do I manage you know just the attention I want to give them and it just kind of feels like free (laughs) yes and um, I'm having to trust them a lot more and trust the things I've taught them a lot more and sometimes it's working out and sometimes it's been really hard
0: yeah I was just gonna ask like do you feel like they're rising to the occasion you know that they are coming into their own in the places where maybe you did stuff for them that they that you didn't need to and so now they're able to step up and do on their own because you can't
1: Yeah, they really are. I came home the other day and they're like, mom, look, we vacuumed and we put all the dishes in the dishwasher and the tables cleaned off. Yes. And they were sitting around and they were playing cards. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) And then the other day I walked home and there were clothes everywhere, blankets everywhere, dishes everywhere. And I'm thinking, what happened? And, and everybody's just like, what? So I think it's, developing. I don't think it's every day. And, and then I have to remember, like, for me, it's not every day. For me, I'm not able to meet my standard every day or I don't know what's going on in their little hearts all the time, Mm. how they feel about the social distancing. We have three birthdays in August, so August 10th, 17th and 25th. And so it's been this hodgepodge of birthdayness, which is still distanced. And I think everybody hoped that when my first kid had her birthday in June, they're like, oh, by August, we're going to be hanging out with friends. Mm. And guess what? That wasn't the case. So having to back down from that, even that expectation and dealing with the losses and, you know, it's just a lot for their little hearts and minds. So I think yes, they're rising to the occasion and no, they aren't sometimes. And sometimes I think it's just pure flat out. Like I don't want to do any work. And other times I think they've got a lot of emotions going on too. What about for you?
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, it's, it's a mixed bag in that, like, there are places where I see them rising to the occasion, and then, I mean, I just think about the last podcast with uh, Kimberly Riley and uh, Desiree, just that, how can we expect our kids uh, to manage themselves when we aren't managing ourselves well, and I was, I've been, like, ruminating on that because um, some of my kids are having, like, near emotional breakdowns. It's, you know just so intense and i think hey man you know it's time to calm down and then i realize wait a minute i need to calm down also <laughs> and so um so yeah there are places where you know they're picking up the slack or they're doing more but like you said then the next day it'll be a total like where what happened to those other kids that were here that you know <laughs> cleaned the table or whatever it was so yeah it it's uh, it is a roller coaster it's a roller coaster that we're not getting off of. And as you were talking about your daughter and having a June birthday and feeling like, oh, by August, we're going to be hanging out. I feel like that's going to happen with the school year. I mean, I kind of want to like do a little uh, Notre right here. Like I'm predicting all year long school at home. I <laughs> don't want say that. that. I don't want that. I'm just saying mm-hmm. like that is where this feels like it's headed for me. And so honestly, I'm just like, don't want to put my hope that in January when, you know, I guess, is that the end of flu season? I don't feel like it is. Like, I think that they were, uh, health experts were thinking that it was going to be really bad during the flu season, and so the hope would be that they're back in school. And I'm just like, uh, I wonder if that's going to happen. Yeah,
1: I'm thinking about the stress on teachers. How are they going to manage temperature checks, kids? Um, how are they going to manage all of that? And, and yet at the same time, how are parents going to manage all of that? Totally. I mean, we have parents that have had to quit jobs. I know families that have had lost an income, mm-hmm. or families that can't now afford childcare. Mm-hmm. Childcare is so expensive, yeah. and you know there are groups of parents getting together and pooling resources. But sometimes it's affordable, and sometimes it's not. Yeah. So I think you I think we're experiencing uh, fractures in our community that were already there. They were already fractured, and yet as we try to put them back together, it's it feels really unclear. Mm. how to reform communities or how to form them from the beginning, I think, because clearly we weren't connected enough before. And I Mm. think that's showing.
0: Mm. That's an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it that way, that we weren't actually connected well before. Um, You know, because when you have practices in place, uh, routines or rhythms, and something comes, you know, and disrupts that, um, there is this this hope that you get back into that rut or you get back mm-hmm. into that rhythm, you get back into that practice. But if they were never there, then how do you build community when you have no practices for that? You know, no engagement with people coming over for dinner or, you know, having a barbecue with the neighbors or whatever that is. Um, that that feels true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I think as we're forming these communities on the fly, we're having to decide, like, well, who do we trust? Mm. And a lot of that changes in people's hearts based on the political atmosphere, too. 100%. You know, you see a political sign in your neighbor's
0: yard and you're thinking, I don't know about that guy. (laughs) Or you question, like, is this worth the the time I want to engage? And I agree, the political season as the most divided time of year or what time of every four years or whatever it is that I like, even on Facebook and Instagram and social media, like you can just see people lining up to pick sides. Like we're going to pick sides now and you're going to be this, or you're going to be that. And it feels very divisive. And so like, then you ask yourself, what capacity do I have at this season in a global pandemic being tapped out, you know, max capacity, do I have to engage other people who aren't like me or who don't think the same way as me when you still also want to connect and you still also want excuse me want to be seen or heard,
1: yeah, and I think that's the challenge, right? The challenge is we don't want to just know people like us totally, and yet we do just want to know people like us <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to walk into the room and have everybody say, yeah, like yeah, I agree with you, maybe I don't agree on this detail, but mostly I agree with you, that feels good mm. it It does not feel good to walk into a room and know someone has like not just a disagreement, but like a fundamental issue mm. with something you believe. And so I think we aren't just experiencing disagreements. Yeah. These things feel connected to people's cores. Mm. And, and I think the question is then, well, how do we, how do, we do that? Mm. And so th- those things were there before. Mm-hmm. I think we were able to gloss over them easier, but now everybody's thinking it.
0: Truly, we as a culture have never really been good at debating or disagreeing well. Like we have sort of lost the art of... Uh discourse in some way to where we can no longer like respect and honor someone's opinion if it's different than ours or you know belief system or what have you like how do we continue to engage and connect with someone who's different than us or thinks different than us or believes different than us or votes in a different party than us and still have like respect for humanity you know respect for each other and as we are approaching you know political voting season, it just feels even more tense and like a tightrope and walking on glass. And yeah, I, I I wonder what that will look like.
1: Yeah, I think one thing I like to challenge myself with is is am am I in my body?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: kind of like a strange thing. So if you're listening you're like, what do you mean am I in my body? Of course <laughs> I'm in my body. Like I feel my shoes on my feet and da da da. But what I'm really asking is, are you present with How you feel? Mm -hmm. Are you present with what you're thinking? Are you present with how your body language is received by someone else? Mm -hmm. Or even how do you receive your own body language? How do you receive your own thoughts? And I think that's, I mean, there's exercises to do it and all these different things. But I think so you get there, you're in your body. I think when you're in your body, you have a harder time accusing and dehumanizing another person. Mm, that's so good. And so I think with neighbors or whatnot, we have to challenge ourselves, even though it's painful yeah. to be in our bodies. Yeah. We have to challenge ourselves to be in our bodies and then encounter someone else. That's good.
0: It's so good. And like you said, it helps you to honor their humanity when you are feeling humanness, when you're feeling your mm-hmm. own body. And it's really easy to disconnect. From our bodies, especially in a tense situation, if you're having a political debate with somebody, like, you just want to check out from your own body because it's easier than addressing the way you're feeling. And and instead of having curiosity for it, like, why am I feeling this way when they talk about, you know, X, Y, and Z? And um, the way that we can engage people is only through our bodies. So we need to be in our bodies, and that will help us to engage someone else when we stay in our own body.
1: Yeah, some things I think that happen when we're not in our body is we can tend to throw a lot of accusations around and judgments that we Mm -hmm. hold inside that we can kind of like check and balance with ourselves. Like our frontal cortex is like saying, like, yeah, you thought that, but don't say it. Mm -hmm. Like like that's not correct. That goes offline. Yeah. (laughs) So you get out of your body and and a lot of times you say you say what you thought, but it comes out in a way that's actually meant to kill someone else. Or perhaps we look the other way, or we don't talk to someone, or someone texts us and we ignore the text, or we respond right away and we have all these flashes of anger in it, or maybe we try to manipulate with sadness or whatever else. So even as I say this, I feel myself breathing heavy. <laughs>
0: it's all good, friend.
1: Yeah. No, I just I think I think the challenge is, and I can hear the other side. Well, what if I'm in my body and my neighbor's not? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Maggie?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it would probably start with uh, asking questions to that person, you know, being curious uh, on their behalf, like, hey, it seems like you're not really with me right now. Um, Where are you? Mm -hmm. And I think what's disarming about that question is, is that you're acknowledging that you see them. And ultimately, we all just want to be seen and heard. And so if we can have a discussion without being seen and heard, then what was the point of that discussion?
1: So good. You should say that again.
0: If you're, I don't even know how you said it, but like, if
1: you, what did I, I? Yeah, you said if we can have a discussion and we're not like seeing and hearing.
0: Oh, I said if, if we can have a discussion and we're not in our bodies, then we're not really seeing and hearing each other. Was that what I said? Yeah, that was so good. Oh, well, it's on the notes. <laughs> it's on the notes.
1: <laughs> Check out the notes. No, seriously, like if we can say something and we've checked out. Yeah. What do we say it for? Yeah. But but believe me, if someone else heard what you said or read what you wrote, Mm -hmm. they're going to remember.
0: They are. And they're going to feel it in their body. And that's what's going to help them remember for good or bad. So, like, do you have any tips or thoughts on how people can uh, stay in their bodies and continue to be engaging and connecting while also disagreeing in this upcoming political season?
1: Well, that's a question, right? If we have the answer to that, I think someone should donate a million dollars to us.
0: (laughs) Please donate. Yeah.
1: No, seriously. um, I think practicing a form of hospitality Mm, to the other person. And I think also you have to offer yourself kindness in that. So there may be a day when you're not ready to engage someone. Totally. And lay off. Don't do it. Um, don't do it on a day when you're burnt out with your kids and you've had a fight with your partner and work didn't go well and you burned food on the stove. Like just, just don't try to walk into a conversation on that day and, and be like, oh yeah, I got you. Yeah. No, you don't. Your body's actually saying, Ah, eh, you need to go to bed early.
0: Yeah. Well, and that self-awareness, that self-awareness will help you not just in that conversation but with the way you engage any other person that day and it starts with asking yourself that basic question what am I feeling right now and why am I feeling it and where am I feeling it in my body because if you can identify that then you can start to take the steps that you need like Danielle's saying to step back like you know today is actually not a good day to engage you in a conversation about abortion but I would definitely like to have this conversation with you let's set up another time
1: yeah definitely agree and then I think our culture it it wants to disconnect from the conversation around race totally wants to disconnect from the conversation around white supremacy white fragility um just like white saviorism seen a lot of that lately and i think that it's important to stay engaged even if you're on the side of well i i i didn't own slaves like Mm. i've heard people say that And by saying that, in a a sense, you disconnect from your body, you disconnect from yourself, you disconnect from the history of our country. And I think you have to ask yourself, why did I need to disconnect? And I think underneath a lot of those things is shame.
0: Absolutely. And just when you take the time to feel like the fact that someone has owned some other person or treated them in a way that's uh, dehumanizing them, like you can feel that in your body because you know what it feels like to be human. And can you imagine yourself feeling that? For someone else and so yeah no that feels accurate
1: yeah so we're not solving the issue right but maggie and i are saying stay with it Mm -hmm. and, and stay with it with yourself take a take a break stay with the conversation with yourself so it's important for you to continue doing work on your own around these tough conversations like challenge i mean maggie and i challenge each other or challenge find someone you can challenge with that's safe. And don't, don't take that conversation to social media to offer that challenge for the first time.
0: For sure. Because that's actually not in your body. (laughs) Let's be clear about social media. It's social and it is media, but it is not actual, um, human to human conversation as in body to body, because we've talked about this before when, We're with another person, our bodies are regulating off of each other. And when someone's body is unregulated, it makes the other person's body unregulated. Well, if you are regulated at your computer screen and you are reading something that was written by someone who's either not regulated or whatever, it's going to disrupt you and there will be no other person for you to regulate again with. And so you have removed the human part of being human.
1: Yeah. It's so good. You've removed the human part of being human. And that's, that's also, I think a little bit that's arousing for people that engage on social media. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting to be able to spout, spout things off. Anger can be very exhilarating in those contexts and yet it doesn't help you. And it for sure does a lot of damage that you're not going to oftentimes get a chance to repair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let repair we should talk about that because as we enter into a season of political debates and and because some issues are so close to the core of who we are and and you know people vote will vote entirely based on one issue and because that's it is it hits them to the core of who they are how can we when we engage other people and we come to a place where we're not going to agree on this issue how do we engage in repair in those places
1: I think that's hard, Maggie. I I think there's a sense of despair, a sense of hopelessness, a sense of, for me, when I'm in those spaces, that this isn't going to get better. Mm. And I don't think that I need to dig myself out of that hole. I think I need to sit there for a minute mm. and rest in the despair and the hopelessness and mourn. Mm. I, I don't know. What What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I totally... I. I feel that because if you don't really feel the weight of the grief, it's hard to move move out of it, right? Because there can be no movement if you haven't actually engaged with it. And our temptation is to, oh, this doesn't feel good. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't blame you. Like, it doesn't feel good, and I don't want to do this anymore either. Without really sitting there in the grief and allowing your anger to be transformed into lament and mourning, yeah, I don't know that there can be repair or reconciliation or healing for an individual or groups of people because you you have not actually mourned and you haven't turned your you haven't transformed your anger. Mm-hmm. And it's that transformation process that will move us through grief into repair, reconciliation, healing.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think we brought up the issue of abortion and pro-life, or are you pro-choice? And I've seen this a lot as even more in this year, it's interesting to me. It it's become such a powerful message this year when the conversation has really been about white supremacy and race. And I I wonder for those people that have all of this not all of the sudden, but latched so fiercely to a conversation which needs to be much more nuanced. Mm. And since it lacks nuance, it becomes, well, if if you vote this way, you are a baby killer. Mm. And, you know, I've heard that said to me personally, and I haven't even ever disclosed how I'm going to vote. So that's also interesting, right? But I think it's interesting to think that if I support the dismantling of systemic racism and white supremacy, that I'm also supporting abortion, so mm. I wonder how those two are linked. And I, I don't say that, so we have to answer it between us. But I actually say it and leave it as a question for you that's listening. Why do you think those two are linked?
0: Mm. That's good. Yeah, we don't have an answer.
1: Or maybe we do, but if we answer it for you, it's not going to be helpful.
0: <laughs> it's true. If, if we do the work for others Uh, that will not land someone likened it uh, someone gave me this this mental picture if you uh, provide for someone the work that has not been done for themselves they have no scaffolding to hold it up so instead it falls down Mm. and so without the framework and the structure to uphold and you get that when you do work yourself then giving uh, someone a piece of you know a nugget of wisdom it's not going to land or stick anywhere because they have no frame of reference. They have no structure to hold it. It it floats out in space.
1: Yeah. Can you give an example of something that like how that's worked for you?
0: Yeah. I think about when I look at my time at the Allender center and doing story work engagement. um, Sometimes when you are participating and, and, and looking at someone's story with them, you might be able to see really clearly what's happening for that person. And they don't see it, right? And so if you just say, oh, well, this is a classic case of, you know, spiritual abuse or or whatever, Um, if that person has not, you know, have the steps to get there, like, oh, there was a, there was a position, someone was in a position of power over you, Um, you know, what was that like for you? Or, you know, to, you know, build the framework themselves to get them to that place, because then when they come to the revelation that was, you know, easier for you to see than it was for them, it sticks, it lands, and it's more transformative, because they have all the, all the backup for it, so I mean, that's just a specific example, or, you know, of story work, where sometimes it's easier to see something as someone who's not directly involved in a situation, Um, not always, but in, in my example, and so without, you can't just tell someone the answer, like, This was this. Um, They have to, in order to name it themselves and to accept what you have named for them, there has to be that work beforehand.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the hard thing, right? It's like doing math. Mm -hmm. You can't get to, that's why teachers ask you to show your work. Show your work. Show your work. It's because you need to know the steps involved to how you arrive to the answer. And so I think that's why Maggie and I aren't here and our guests haven't been here to say like, you have to think this way. You have to believe this way. We've been here to talk about these things. And I think, I think that's an important thing to think about as you're taking time to vote Mm -hmm. as you're taking time. Well, I'm stuck on this issue and my best friend is saying, wait a minute, but that you're completely forgetting race, race, race issues. And, And I think you have to backtrack your equation. How did you arrive to that this was the most important equation? And then try, explore their equation. Mm -hmm. How did they arrive to Mm -hmm. get to that point that that was one of the most important issues? And and what steps match between you and what steps are different? And I think as you begin to explore those things, like talking about math, you might be able to find ground to repair.
0: Mm, That's good. And ultimately, as we've already come to this conclusion, it can't be done on your own. It has to be done with a, a safe person. It has to be done in community. Um, you need someone else's eyes to see the, the blind spots um, and to, to guide you to walk with you. And so, sometimes when we're engaging, you know, one issue topics uh, in, re- in regards to voting, um, it can't it can't just be done on on social media because you're missing that community aspect, the the doing it together part. And so, you know, as you're, you know, talking about the engagement level, we're just meant to be in community at all levels, including repair, including disagreements, including, you know, working towards, you know, healing and reconciliation, and all that.
1: Yeah, and I think like, I think in a time of COVID, you know, maybe the response is like, well, I can't see them, but you can pick up the phone. Facts. You don't have to text. 100%. You can text and say, can we talk for... 30 minutes at 4 p.m. tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then you guys can commit to a set time and have a conversation. Maybe some ground rules for a conversation like this. Do you have any suggestions?
0: Yeah, I would say, like, honesty first. Um, And then with honesty comes with, you know, knowing the boundaries. Like, when you said, I'm going to talk to you for 30 minutes at this time, like, honoring those boundaries. um, Or... Hey, you know, we agreed we were going to talk about, you know, politics this time and we're kind of, you know, scurrying from the topic here. Like, can we come back on here and if we want to talk about these other things another time, like just honoring boundaries, honesty, and um, I guess probably openness. What would be the point of going into a conversation if you have no intention of hearing their point of view, like earnestly, Mm -hmm. because you're just trying to go in there with the mindset of, well, this person's wrong and I'm right and I'm going to change their mind by telling them all the facts in this exact (laughs) order. Um, That's actually not discussion. That's actually not honoring to their person. And so, like, if you want to be heard, then you have to hear someone else and... Oddly enough, today I had read this book to my kids. It's called "My Mouth Is a Volcano." <laughs> it's a children's book about interrupting. Um, we interrupt in our family; we're interrupters. And um, one of the things in this book it talked about was when you interrupt someone, you you have taken away their important words. And when you want to have important words, you want them to honor that space too. And um, it was it was. It was really funny and they did it in a humorous way because he, the, the kid in the story was like, he kept on being told that he erupted <laughs> and that's how he interpreted interrupting. And so all that's to say is uh, when we are coming to a conversation with someone else, it has to come from a place of openness to hear the other person. Otherwise, uh, you know, you, you won't see them and they won't see you and then you will have missed the connection piece, the human being the human
1: yeah, and I think just to use the example of some of the conversations I've had recently, which really weren't, they're were more like blasting accusations. If you go to name calling, mm. when I go to name calling, when I've arrived there at different times in my life, I have gone off the rails. Mm, that's good. I am not who I want to be. That is not what I want to do to another reflection of God's creation. And yes, it happens. And so then I definitely need to repair that. But if you feel yourself slipping into name calling, yeah. if you feel yourself telling someone that they might be going to hell Oof. or they've lost their faith, I think when you've become that big of a judge mm. and you, you feel like you hold that much power, I think, you, I think it's important to reflect inside like what are you defending? It almost feels like people feel like they're going to die if they hear the other viewpoint.
0: Yeah, and, and usually that when people are lashing out in, to name-calling, it, it, is, it is a hurt person wanting to hurt someone else. Mm. And so that would be a great warning side red flag if you're in a conversation with someone and, and you're hoping to have you know, respecting boundaries and honesty and openness. As soon as it uh, degenerates into name-calling, it might be time to take a break. In time the out. conversation, yeah, timeout. ups need timeouts too. <laughs> um, and, and reevaluate how you can engage again, and it might require some repair. Yeah, and maybe you need to go see a therapist
1: even, and that wouldn't be unreasonable. Like, why did I go to calling names? Mm-hmm. That's not who I want to be. And I think just having curiosity about yourself, but not the kind of curiosity that's going to shame yourself. Oh, I'm so bad. That's not helpful. Mm-hmm that's not going to move you towards change it just doesn't but maybe just being curious and saying why did i go to name calling why do i feel threatened is there something in me that f- that is saying like i am scared i think a lot of it comes from fear
0: absolutely comes from fear and also not being able to identify or name the things that you're experiencing in your body and your mind and that kind of self-awareness that's why we ask a therapist or a you know a story sage or someone to come alongside us to say hey I need help identifying why it is that my conversation around you know politics immediately went to name calling and telling someone they're going to hell like you might need someone to help you walk down that path and, and and ask yourself with curiosity where have I felt this before and why am I feeling it now um, and like we've said, there's there's literally no shame in asking for help in that situation because we can't see our own faces. We require a mirror. We require someone else to see it. And that's what a good friend does. That's what a good therapist does. That's what we do in community with other people. We just can't be alone. Yeah,
1: and I think a book can't do that for us.
0: It's true. Books are great, and I support them. We should all read them, but... <laughs> yeah, they can't provide
1: the human connection. They cannot. And there's something about learning experientially Making a mistake with someone and being able to, when I'm able to repair with my husband and say I'm sorry with my husband and apologize and, and ask for forgiveness, I change. Mm-hmm. He, he changes too. He's blessed by it. I'm blessed by it. And, and I need that to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I know that it's not just for the other person. Totally true. I love it. So Maggie, I know we like covered the gamut here on Tough Topics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we did. We had a lot of
1: things to cover and we hadn't seen each other in ages. So, you know. Yeah. So I think we're all stepping into the season of uncertainty and and Maggie and I really just wanted to have a chance to just kind of talk through like what might be coming up. We've seen a lot of things on social media, experienced our own things with family and other things and just wanted to offer just some helpful tips and and also just to know that Maggie and I don't always do this perfectly (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah I I mess up I make mistakes and then I I need to be the one that repairs Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's easy to sit here on a microphone and say that we're doing it right or doing it perfect but but really the more meaningful thing is like, hey, we're still doing this, we're still learning this, and we're doing it together because we want to and because we believe in transformation and change and hope, and that's how we do it. We do it together.
1: Yeah, so I think if you're looking for community or if you're looking for ways to connect in your area, I don't know if Maggie and I can necessarily help, but we want to hear from you. Like, where are you at? What are you up to? What are you struggling with? What would be helpful to hear from us in this season before the election and afterwards?
0: Absolutely. Listener feedback requested and required. Okay. Maybe not required. We would just love to hear like what has been helpful for you as you've journeyed with us on uh, season one. What was your favorite guest or what did you want to hear more of? What did we miss? What is something that's super important to you that you would love to hear us talk about or get a guest to come talk about? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at the at gmail.com and we'll have links to that also in the notes.
1: Yeah, and I just am grateful for our listeners. I know you're around the world. What up? I know I what saw up, like people? South Africa and Spain. Hola.
0: Yeah. I saw
1: um, UK. Where else do we see France? Dude, somebody's watch- listening in, uh, in Egypt. Hello, friend. Yeah, hello, Egypt. <laughs> no, we're in this together. I think I saw Australia. So we're in this together. And we, Maggie and I are also curious with ourselves and with our listeners. So questions are welcome. And this is a place to, if you don't belong in your community and you're wondering why, like tune in.
0: Yeah. You belong here. We're glad you're here, friend.
1: Yeah. I know. Uh, someone said, wow, you have like a big list of conversations you cover and race, gender, faith, justice, the church. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> and Mackie and I were like, well, maybe we should take something out or change it to trauma. And then I was like, well, what are we going to take out?
0: Nothing. We can take nothing out. They all belong.
1: (laughs) We have to kind of quit. Otherwise, we might keep adding things.
0: (laughs) That's true. We did. We did reevaluate that. But as we do uh, at the end of all of our podcasts, we like to check in with what are you listening? What are you reading? And what is inspiring you? So, Danielle, what's up?
1: Yeah. Right now I'm reading Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation by Kristen Cobes Dumet. And her last name is spelled M-E-Z. And it's a lot about Trumpism and conservatism as more of like a religion and not as a faith. So it's not about Republicans necessarily. It's about this conservatism that is dehumanizing. Yeah, that sounds like
0: a good one. What are you reading? Well, I'm reading two things right now. Uh, One is Glennon Doyle's new book called Untamed. Uh, it was recommended to me by my, my good friend Alex, hey girl, and it is phenomenal. Uh, it's a memoir, and I, and I don't read a ton of memoirs, um, but she is just like brutally honest, which I love, and also just using her experience to provide, you know, wisdom or guidance for other people, and I'm just totally loving it and getting so much out of it. I am also reading My Grandmother's Hands by Rezna Menakem. We had so many guests this last season that recommended this book and as a continued part of my engagement with racial trauma and I've wanted to read it and so I am doing that now and I am really enjoying it. It is a difficult subject and I love how even at the introduction he's like, you know, be aware of your body and uh, why is it acting the way it is and just like being mindful of yourself and I found that to be like, at first, I was like, oh, this is gonna, like, what does he mean? Like, what, what, what are we about to talk about? <laughs> and and then I realized when you start to talk about the material, like, yeah, you're going to feel that in your body, and you're going to want to have some curiosity for that. So two really great books, really enjoying them. Danielle, what are you listening to? Okay,
1: so I was just looking it up. Um, the lyric, Hamilton, yes. basically on repeat all the time, and I've been listening to Last Shot, If anybody, or my shot, if anybody's listened to that. And he says, uh, when you're living on your knees, you rise up. Tell your brother that he's got to rise up. Tell your sister that she's got to rise up. And then one of the colonies is going to rise up. And then... He goes on to say, I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. When's it going to get me? In my sleep, seven feet ahead of me? If I see it coming, do I run or do I let it be? It's like a beat without a melody. See, I never thought I'd live past 20. Where I come from, some get half as many. Ask anybody why we live in fast and we laugh. Reach for a flask. We have to make this moment last. That's plenty. Scratch that. This is not a moment it's the movement where all the hungriest brothers with something to prove went foes oppose us. We take an honest stand. We roll like Moses claiming our promised land mm. and just keeps going on. And I could just go on for the whole thing. Cause I love it, but that's what I'm listening to. What about you?
0: That's so good. Can I just say how much I love Hamilton and also Lin-Manuel Miranda is a flipping genius. Yeah, oh my gosh. Lyrically also rise up for the arise podcast. Yeah. That just felt so good. Right. Yeah. Rise up. Um, what am I listening to? Um, well, my kids are obsessed with Phineas and Ferb, uh Woo-hoo! which yeah which honestly i didn't even i don't even know if I knew about it uh so they're like all about it, and so we listen to that in the car the just like the music it, they're two minute long songs and songs, and they sing them in the car, so that's like what's happening in the van um, but <laughs> what am I listening to well uh, like I'm been doing a um multiple year long discipleship program with my friend and we've been listening to the Bema Discipleship with Marty Solomon and it's basically about how um to engage the Bible from an Eastern perspective because it's actually an Eastern religion and so like it's kind of blown my mind when we started off talking about even just the first episode what was about east versus west thinking and how we basically try to westernize the bible so like we're like two we're on our second year on this um program I don't even know what to call it a program just it's, it's just a podcast and every single episode it's like Blown my mind. It's changed the way I view the Bible. It's changed the way I engage the Bible and, when, and the way I think about my own faith. And so, been really jamming on that for like a whole year. Really, it's called the Bama Discipleship with Marty Solomon. That's cool. What's inspiring you? <sighs> I would say just the Pacific Northwest glory. I mean, if you friends have not been to the Pacific Northwest in the summertime, it is glory, glory. I kid you not, I I wake up and I think, wow, I cannot believe I get to live here. I love it. It's the mountains, it's the trees, it's the water, it's all of it. And a practice that I have picked up this summer, we've been doing um, a lot of outdoor activities (laughs) by ourselves, obviously. And I have um, been collecting the rainbow. So when I go to a beach or a, a park or whatever, I start to collect little bits of each color. And then at the end of our journey, um, the, you know, a trail walk or along the beach, I place my rainbow down. And um, it's so fun to know that there are pieces uh, of color all around us and they're scattered everywhere and they're beautiful where they are too. But to to kind of arrange them in this, I get to see like, the rainbow, God's promise, is everywhere with us, and so I've even taken a picture of some of my beach findings, and I've, giant poster now in my office of uh, a rainbow made out of, like, beach glass, and rocks, and seaweed, and it's just, like, marvelous, there's, like, little bits of beauty everywhere, and so, like, that's inspiring me to be present, because it's kind of easy to check out. We have so many distractions, but when I am out with my family and wanting to be present and engaging, just like looking at the little bits of beauty. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What's inspiring you? I think my kids. Yeah. Yeah. They have
1: been very creative and very Baker creative, mm. like baking all types of things. And, During birthday season for us, two of the kids made um, their youngest brother a piñata. And they planned it out. They (laughs) decorated it. They told me what they needed. And it was so thoughtful. So sweet. And I thought, man, I just, I love that. And you know what? Just the fact that they made it, we haven't broken it apart yet because no one wanted to break it. (laughs) There's candy in it and it's sitting up outside. But they didn't want to break it. I think it felt special. Mm. Just like it was there and it was made. And so I guess that is inspiring
0: me right now. I love that. That's awesome. So Maggie, what's next?
1: What's next? I don't even know. I think we got some exciting guests coming up. We do. We always have awesome guests. And we're excited to keep talking about the things that matter that are going on right now. Tune in. We might mess up. We might say something good. We might mess up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and every once in a while, something might inspire you. But you know, we're here. We're gonna keep um, listening to what's going on in our community. And if you hear something that we missed, please share it.
0: Yeah, would love to hear from you.
1: Peace out. Peace out.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Arise podcast today. If you have enjoyed this episode or any episode, definitely share it. Like us on uh, iTunes or however you're listening to your podcasts. And if you um, continue to, to come alongside us in this journey, we would love for you to participate and support the work that we're doing. You can uh, follow in the episode notes to find ways to donate if even just five bucks a month would really make a huge difference. We love doing this work and we love to continue to offer our content for free. So one way you can do is uh, join us in supporting us. Thank you.